Jet, we love a Jet, we love to help and that's a fact, so we have made it our mission to find stuff out. From diagnosis and education, slimming out of pure frustration, chat to folks who've been there too, collect it together and share it with you. If you know someone we should speak to, send them our way and that's what we'll do, we like to have our sensory natters. You know what? Morning everybody, it's Jenny and we have another packed Sensory Matters show for you today and this week once again I'm joined with Katie and Lorraine. Morning ladies. Morning. Morning. How are we doing? Good thanks. Yeah really good, thank you. How are you Jenny? Yes, all good in the last few weeks of school because in Scotland they finish early, they finish at the end of June um, and mine are getting taken out a week early because we're going on holiday so I'm excited about that but it's just this time of year at school, it's like letter, 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 form to fill in, different activities and events going on. So my head is a bit bust. But other than that, I'm super. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So last week we had Sheepdog Says on the podcast. And um, he's a very interesting chap and I really enjoyed talking to him. And his story, if you haven't listened to it, is basically he just started chatting about his life he was told some friends advised him to and then through that it um he went through his diagnosis journey with his son and a lot of his youtube videos became about that so from our perspective it's very interesting because you get a very candid perspective of his journey um so you guys have listened to it what did you think i thought first of all it was nice to have a man on the podcast because i don't think we've had a, a man on the podcast for quite a while we seem to get lots of women Yes. So, and especially yeah. a dad, it was nice to to get a dad's perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and it was so authentic. Like you could totally tell that he was still in the throes of this journey, and that he was experiencing things as he went along and learning as he went along. So it felt like you said, Jenny, like we caught him at a very important time, yes. and we could see things from a very very unique perspective of actually him in this journey with his son as opposed to at the end of it looking back yeah, um, yeah made it really living, interesting yeah he's kind of living and breathing it now and even now whenever I see a little notification that he's put a video up I watch it because I'm, I'm fascinated to see how things will develop yes I've just followed him on uh, on YouTube I'm looking forward to uh, binge watching all of the videos at some point <laughs> yeah totally so is there anything particularly that stood out for you Lorraine well, I think you said in the podcast, his journey is very similar to ours. Yes. Um, so I just resonated with a lot of it, um, the exclusions, the behaviours. Yeah, pretty, mu pretty much everything seemed the same as our journey, apart from his school seems a little bit more understanding and our paediatrician was maybe a bit better. Right. Yeah. That just goes to show you that, you know, it's it's it depends where you are, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and what you get and who you get. Uh, but the one thing that I did think was when they said, although, he, although his son's not diagnosed yet, to deal with it and treat it as if he is autistic. And then yeah. he, he said that when they did that, then things started to change for the better. And that's exactly what happened with us. Before we got the diagnosis, we were like, oh, do we say she's autistic? Do we not say she's autistic? But we yeah. thought we'll treat her as if she is and we'll put strategies in place. And as soon as we started to do that, things started to change for the better. So wow. I think if, if you've got a child and you're not sure if they're autistic, they haven't been diagnosed yet, but a, pa a parent knows, yes. um, then I think if you do put things in place, just go with, with how you feel, but it definitely helps. 
I wonder if there's anything that, that, you know, you said that you decided to do that and he decided to do that. Was there anything in the back of your mind saying, I shouldn't do that? Yeah, that people would judge me for saying or for thinking that she was autistic without a diagnosis. Right. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think that people would say, oh, you know, she's she's doing this and she's saying that, but they haven't even had a diagnosis yet. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. he said about that, didn't he? He, he was yeah. chatting about um, feeling like he was overreacting or yeah. people would think he was overreacting. But what I found really interesting is when he was saying about when he does tell people that Oliver is seeking a diagnosis and he's saying we think he's on the spectrum we think he's autistic um he feels like he's almost dropping this bomb on people but everyone's like okay yeah as if they already knew or or they had a suspicion anyway which i thought was really interesting but yeah yeah. and we didn't we didn't have that um for me it was oh we think jamie's autistic and people like oh she can't be really yeah so i wonder if it's um because of it's been well jamie's nearly 16 so it's been like Almost 10 years. Oh, yeah. That people are much more aware of autism mm-hmm. and that it's not just people who are nonverbal and you, you can be intelligent and autistic and you yeah. can speak and you can read and you can yeah. do things. Yeah. So whether back then on in our journey, people were quite narrow-minded about autism and then as the years have gone on, there's more understanding maybe. Mm. Yeah, I, I was going to so. say the same thing, and isn't that isn't that fantastic? Yeah, really good. I mean, not so good for you when you were going through it, obviously, but now for those going through it, it's it's good that people just don't even bat an eye anymore. Yeah, in the main, I'm sure there are still some, but it's it's fab that he's had that experience. Yeah, really definitely. Good. Anything else from you, Katie, that you took away from it? I think what I found like struck me the most is like some of the things that um like the teachers and the professionals were kind of saying to to him about oh well how is Oliver's communication or how is his um his family life like at home and I'm like these are such open and really complicated questions like I always say to people like the hardest thing or like the hardest question that I get asked is how does autism affect you because yeah. especially when I wasn't the one who noticed my autistic traits, it came from someone else. So yeah. I feel like if you're in that journey when you yourself, or even as a parent, you didn't notice you yourself or your child's traits, having to answer all of these questions like, how is this affected? Or how do they present? Or mm. how does autism affect you or your child? It could be really, really difficult because you don't think of it that way you think of it as just I personally just think of it as being, being yeah so I don't know the difference I know what I do but I don't know what everybody else does and how that is different yeah and I think that communication question was very important you know when he said that he didn't go to the first appointment his wife went and they mm-hmm. asked her how Oliver's communication was and she was like yeah yeah it's, it's fine but then actually when you think about communication it's not just speaking to you it's not just getting words out yeah, and then he then goes on to say, "Well, actually, his communication isn't good. He, he doesn't tell us when he's hungry, and you know, there's a there's a lot to think about in these questions to then get put on the spot and ask mm. them when you're not expecting them." Yes, yes. And which think- goes right back to what you've always said, Lorraine, about keeping a log. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think people do take things at face value, like on both sides, like um, the people with the traits themselves or carers of those people. Sort of, they only sort of think about what they see on the surface when you're under that sort of pressure of thinking on your feet like how Mm -hmm. is your communication well 
we can talk so it's it's okay um yeah. and i think professionals and other people also do that they see what's on the surface and they think oh you can't possibly be autistic or you're really really high functioning or or that kind of thing yeah. people do take it for face value a lot of the time yeah and yeah. for us we were told oh well she can't be autistic because uh, she's verbal but then actually when we got to the point where we saw a speech and language therapist she was i guess um, she's using all these big words that she doesn't understand and these things you don't consider yeah. until yeah. somebody points them out to you yeah absolutely and um, is there anything else that you think is worth touching on from that podcast? I think documenting your journey from yeah. from the minute you you suspect something. Uh, it doesn't have to be on YouTube. You don't have to go and be a YouTuber. But no. keep everything logged. Yes, absolutely. And did you not have something you wanted to say about time off work? Oh, yes. So um, in there you were asking uh, a sheepdog about uh, if his employers, you know, had he had any trouble because I'd obviously had trouble with Jamie and I had to leave work in the end. But a lot of parents might not know that you are entitled to parental leave. Everybody who has a child under 18 is entitled to 18 weeks worth of parental leave throughout their 18 years. It's unpaid, so it's not something mm-hmm. that people always want to use. But if you've got a child who receives DLA, you can take that in week, weekly blocks or daily blocks, however you want to take it. So you can use it for hospital appointments. So you might be sat there thinking, oh, God, I've got another hospital appointment. You know, I, I can't go in and say I need another day off. But you are actually entitled to it. Right. When you say that you can take DLA in blocks, is that easy to sort out and arrange? No, not DLA. It's if you, if you get DLA for your oh, child. Right. So basically the parental leave you have to take in weekly blocks as a, a parent of any child. But if oh, your child receives DLA, you can take it daily, weekly, however the, the leave, you you know, it's as you need it. Ah, so it's more okay. flexible. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and definitely good to know. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, all right, so what about our sensory matter this week? What we're going to have as that? Well, we thought it'd be nice this week to talk about service dogs because I'm not sure about you, Lorraine or Jenny, but I've been seeing quite a lot recently um, uh-huh. on Facebook in particular about um, service dogs. And it's a question that I always get asked. Would you ever consider getting a service dog to help with um, sensory issues and autism? I just think it's a really nice topic of conversation to uh, yeah. have a little chat about. Yeah, I've so seen how, how does it work? Because... From my point of view, I can see a service dog being useful if you've got a runner, um, mm-hmm. you know, but but how else could they help with sensory issues? Well, that's um, something that I'm sort of like, I think, feel like it's different for everybody. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got a little bit of an insight into service dogs, actually. Um, okay. Because I don't know if you can remember years and years ago, I did the Great North Run for Buddies for Autism. I do, yeah. Um, and they... Uh, provide service dogs but also one of our VICs um Helen Smark has got a service mm-hmm. dog in training right um and you'll see a lot of service dogs online and some people train them themselves and some people go through different services and it's very hit and miss and I'm not sure which service dogs are actually legal service dogs mm. uh, like if there's any standards for yeah what makes a service dog sort of thing because yeah. when I first started working with buddies um, they used service dogs Europe, and I don't know if you can remember years and years ago they disappeared, and I think they like took all the money, and then no one's ever heard oh. from them since. Gosh, there was a big controversy, and then suddenly there was no other way of of training. Uh, there was no other way to train dogs. They were the, the only service out there. So right. then, I think from there, people tried to find other ways 
and other services to train them. And I'm not sure there's ever been that one central place that's like, this is how you train an autism assistance dog. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So is Helen training her own dog? She is training her own dog, but there's, um, she's got to go through courses and she's got a proper trainer. Um, she's got, right. I mean, she's she's done a lot of digging and she's found all the, the real legali- legalities of, how, like she didn't want to put a vest on, on Sherlock unless she knew he was 100% trained. Right. And it fitted all the legalities and it, he was a proper assistance dog. So, yes, I think at the moment they're starting off by there's citizenships. So you do bronze, silver and gold. Right. Uh, and that's any, everybody does that if they go to dog training with their dogs. So obviously he's got to pass the the normal dog training standards. And then the woman that she's using will then assess him individually for different things. She has to choose three ways in which Sherlock will be an assistance dog. Right. Um, so like you were saying, how, how does it help with sensory matters? Um, so one of them is to calm Braden down. So Sherlock will get onto Braden and sit on him and give like deep pressure therapy. So a bit like a weighted blanket. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I think, yeah, like Katie was saying, everybody will have their own specific needs. Yes. And how they Yeah, go. that makes sense. And then I suppose you see it all over the news anyway with dementia dogs and other dogs going into hospitals. We saw the article a few weeks ago about the dogs at the airport in Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, to help calm people for travelling. So, I mean, I know having a dog and a cat, how therapeutic they are. Yeah. They're awesome. So, yeah. yeah. I think that's when, you know, when people ask me, oh, would you ever get a service dog? I, th- I would love to because in an ideal world, I'm like, yes, I'd love to have the opportunity to to take my dog with me because of the therapy that it gives in you know outside environments where I can very easily get overwhelmed but I also just would like a dog you know (laughs) a lot of the times I just think a dog itself um you know I when I had Meg she wasn't trained at all but she was still very therapeutic and getting out of the house and just anything it's the same with Roxy because when I was doing the Great North Run for Buddies with Autism, they were training their first dog, Buddy, and Buddy was going to be Jane's son's assistance dog. But when he was actually trained, they didn't fit each other. Oh, okay. Uh, they've got to fit right. Um, the right pairing and they didn't fit. So Jane said, would Jamie be interested in Buddy because, you know, you've worked hard for us. And I said to Jamie, would you be interested in a service dog? And she was like, no, I like my pets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fab thing. I think we'll see a lot more of it as the years go by. Yeah, I'm, I'm following um, Sherlock's journey. They've just set up a Facebook and an Instagram because I Is know that you got me to like yesterday. Yes, because yeah. I know that they're going through the correct channels and everything's right. I think if if we can follow their journey and see how they do it, mm. then other people might be able to do it that way. I also they might be really interesting to get on as a guest. Definitely. Yeah. Because service dogs, you're looking at, I've seen people saying it costs £10,000 for a service dog. Yeah. Um, And I know that Helen is paying a private trainer, but it's not that much. Mm. But she's she's getting everything done properly. He will have the correct training. He'll have all the correct certificates. Fantastic. Yeah. So if anybody wants to follow their journey, I think it's Sherlock, the assistance dog on Facebook and Instagram. And they've literally... I think they've done their silver award, so you can follow them pretty much from the start, pretty much like Sheepdog's Journey. Brilliant. Excellent. Okay. Right, well, we'll take a quick break there, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about news things and our listeners' question. Back soon.
have just launched a brand new product over on our website, the Mama Smart's Hands-On Magnet. This is a revolutionary way to keep your kids safe around cars. Go and check them out on our website. Prices start from £13.95 or one credit. And if you need any help or support, please go to Facebook and join our sensory support group where you will find lots of like-minded people with great help and advice. Now back to the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. So, yeah, the next thing we're going to talk about is what we have seen in the news. So, Lorraine, I think you've seen something, haven't you? Yeah, I think everybody's probably seen um, the panorama this week, yeah. well, last week. So I've not had chance to watch it, so I know a rough outline, so explain it to me. Um, so it is a hospital for vulnerable young adults with learning disabilities and autism mm-hmm. over in the northeast, um, and they're abused by the care staff there. Panorama has been, there's been so many tip-offs, tip-offs. Panorama's gone in and filmed undercover, and it is horrific. I mean, the the place is closed down now and the people have been sent to different facilities but it's not a nice watch right okay I'm not sure I want to watch it Um, Um, without going into too much horrible detail what sort of abuse are we talking physical mental mental torture is how I would describe it um I I wanted to watch it because there was so much on social media when mm-hmm. I started to watch it within the first five minutes, I had to pause it. I was in absolute tears and I didn't know if I could carry on watching it, but I kind of forced myself. I didn't know if it was because I've got a child in residential care. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that made it worse or not. I, I just couldn't work out my emotions. We've had the podcast a few weeks ago about empathy. Yeah. And when I saw these vulnerable adults, I just, I was in their mind immediately and uh, it just, it was so sad to think how they were feeling at that time. Yeah. It makes me want to cry now, to be honest. Mm. I couldn't watch it. I, I, I'm I, sort of like you, Lorraine. I, I saw all the bits on social media and I was like, I have to watch this. And I feel like people, you know, should be aware of these issues. It isn't something that we should be just sweeping under the rug and just being like, no, that's, you know, I don't want to know about that. You know, this is a very important issue today that we need to be aware of. But at the same time, it's very difficult for people like us to to sit and talk about this and to um, to watch anything or to really get involved because it is such a sensitive issue because a lot of us are empaths because it affects us directly and then it's it's yeah. really difficult then and, and I, I can't understand how or when it's going to change because this isn't the first time no and just because this one is is adults with autism and learning disabilities what about the what, we've seen panorama before with the elderly. Yeah, you know, it's just it's horrific. And how are these people getting these jobs? Yeah, well, that's it. Is it because because I'm sure the people, I'm sure the people that set these things up are doing it with the best of intentions. But then you're reliant on the people that you employ to do a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you know? How how do you stop it? So what I thought about the panorama was how are all of these like-minded people? Mm-hmm. able to get together because they were like a gang of bullies yeah um and they laughed at each other and they egged each other on and if is i the, sorry is it the madness of crowds you know that that whole i'm sure is that a book i can't remember but you know the whole theory that like a sheep if if you're in a gang and one person starts doing something and someone else follows then it just because we're all about trying to fit in and, and everyone just follows. I'm not saying that makes it right, but is that a, a 
a flaw in the human system that we're easily led probably to some extent but personally I don't know how anybody could live with themselves after a day working there seeing what had happened how they could go home and just get on with their daily normal life yeah knowing how those people have just been treated especially if they're going home and caring for another family member you know it's sort of like they might do these horrible things at work and then go home and and care for their elderly relative or something and it's just how you know um they're messed up in some way yeah i've actually seen a petition recently i think it was on i can't remember if it's on facebook or twitter of people um trying to get a mandatory cctv in um in residential and care homes now which i think poses um you know moral questions in itself you know should we be going to that extreme length of cctv um you know does that infringe our right but does it infringe our rights of privacy especially as the as the people within the the care and residential homes it's very interesting poses a lot of questions well on the panorama they were getting cctv put into this establishment and then the staff then went on to chat in the staff room as they did about all the blind spots and all the things you can do that you wouldn't be picked up on cctv for gosh jeez and did they did they no, they were being filmed when they were having this conversation. No, no, this um, panorama was undercover in oh, there. Right. She, she went it. in, she got a job as a carer in there right. and, and she filmed what was going on. Jeez, oh, that's yeah. just horrendous. Because the, the, the consequences of this are far reaching, not just the abuse that the person's been exposed to. That then has a knock-on effect in their future and confidence going to another establishment, fear that it's going to be the same. Mm. There's the rest of the family and the guilt and how horrendous they would feel having done that. And then there's even things like you, Lorraine, who just, it just makes you question other establishments and it shouldn't because that's not fair. But, you know, the the, the consequences are massive. Yeah. yeah. The, the girl on there did remind me a lot of Jamie. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see it, was really really horrible and then they showed her parents the footage oh god they were in tears and then they were and the mother said i want to look after her but i can't and yeah oh god it was horrible um but yeah i just think that is that girl now gonna have ptsd probably um if if, if she was cared for correctly See, it's just got it's more money in the system again because she's going to need therapy. Yeah. Yes, I know. Um, and I don't understand how these people get into care. Was the place private or publicly funded? Was it the Ooh. hospital? Now then, I'm not sure. Okay. Didn't I didn't take note of that. Yeah, not that that matters. I suppose if it's going to happen, it can happen anyway, can't it? Because it's you're at the hands of the people. Yeah. But yeah, well, hopefully, I mean, I think the thing to say about it is that hopefully these sorts of things are the exception, not the norm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it, and- does, it does give like facilities like this a bad rep. And I bet you there are lots of facilities out there that are just shaking their heads and just, you know, in complete disgust, but also thinking, you know, not we're not all like this. It's very easy for us to think that this is happening all the time because of what the media show us and because of what we see. We We so much hear more about the negatives as opposed to the positives in these situations and oh totally it's like the news all the time isn't it it's always you know there's so much good actually out there but 
the news is full of the bad and that's what people think happens all the time yeah definitely so, yeah so please please listeners we're not trying to bring you down but it's an important issue to 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 be aware of um absolutely but yeah in the main i i subscribe to people are mainly good yeah so um we have a listener's question which is a really interesting one and I haven't got a clue how to answer this so I'm hoping you ladies can help me out um it's asking she's asking how do you manage things that you really enjoy doing but by doing them you can get quite overloaded and therefore how do you manage that and not stop doing them because they bring you joy and pleasure Ooh. first of all I think there's there's a bit that's just going to carry you through because you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, Jamie is really bad with noise and light and crowded places, but we took her to a games um, festival thing in Blackpool in October, mm-hmm. and she absolutely loved it. And one of the things she said was it was so noisy, it was so bright, there were so many people, but I loved it so much that I just forced myself to do it. Mm. So if it's a true pr- passion... It's something that you can maybe cope with the other things a bit more easily. Yeah, or, or I think them. if you you prepare as well, if it's if it's going to be like a day, you can have quiet time the day before and chill and keep calm, and then you know that you can plan that after that event. Maybe for a week, you're going to be kind of in bed, weight blanket, quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think planning it could be really helpful. Yeah, and prioritizing, isn't it? It's thinking if I want to do this one day and I really really want to do it it's making sure that you accommodate the other days like you said Lorraine and like the week to maybe ensure that that it can help you out and to you know prepare for that and understand that maybe that one day can may affect your whole week but is it worth it and if it is then you know go for it and enjoy it and then come back and and recoup a little bit Mm -hmm. I think pacing is another thing if you're just looking at maybe sort of one activity that you do um, that doesn't take up the whole day, but you want to do like a couple of times in the week. It's just maybe doing a little bit as opposed to a big chunk. You know, if that something is uh, gaming or um, exercising or um, something, you know, use it as a reward um, and do it in small chunks as opposed to having uh, one day where you just sort of binge the entire thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think look around and see if there's things that you enjoy that you can adapt because I love swimming, but the swimming pool is really, really noisy and bright. It's got the strip lights and mm. uh, I've found a pool locally to us that we can hire privately. So every now and then I hire the pool and me and Jamie go. Nice. Yeah, so th- there might be other ways to look at the thing that you enjoy that makes it more manageable. Yeah, so it's not like we used to swim every week. We don't swim every week. It's only every so often, but it's a much nicer experience. Yeah, brilliant. Okay. Um, so before we finish up, I've got another thing that I thought of. Quite often on the podcast where we've got guests, I always ask them what animal they would be and why. And a sheepdog obviously said he'd be a sheepdog. <laughs> um, so I thought, I've never asked you to. What would you be? Oh, I've got like job into because when I was <laughs> when I was in college, they always said to me, "This is a question that you would get asked in a job interview." I've <laughs> never I've never been asked this in a job interview in my life, but they said you mm. need to prepare this answer. So I've got this whole like, <laughs> oh well, I'm I'm a great worker and I'm I'm a great team player and all that kind <laughs> of stuff. So if I was answering from a job interview point of view, I've always thought I would say an ant because Ooh, yeah, I'm very I'm very small 
in stature, but I can carry a good load, <laughs> and I'm good. At, I'm a good worker, and I I'm a, I'm a team player. So <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. But in, in a non-interview context, um, I think I'd probably just have to go with something seemingly cute and cuddly, but maybe a little bit prickly, which like like a koala. <laughs> nice, cool. What about you, Lorraine? Uh, a cat. <laughs> a cat, really? Yeah, because cats have got such a good life. They get yeah. fed, they get petted, but when they've had enough petting, it's like back off. And you don't you don't get angry with them or mad at them because they won't let you pet them anymore. You just wait for the next time you're allowed to pet them. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. just yeah, they sleep when they want. They pretty much, I think they've got the best life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It was Indy Andy that was cat obsessed as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I look at Luna, she meows, she gets fed, she purrs, she gets petted, she uh-huh. sleeps wherever she wants. You wouldn't nobody moves her. If she's in your seat, you don't move her because she's asleep. She's just got the perfect life. <laughs> yeah. Good life. All her needs satisfied. Brilliant. How about you, Jenny? What would you be? I think I'd probably be a dog, because I'm well, I was going to say I'm not very bright. That's not true. And I'm not saying all dogs are not very bright because obviously service dogs, they're all very clever. So that's wrong. But I think, I think I'm think i just, I just, Chris, who works with us, asked me this question last week and it was, he's, he asked me, how easily do you fall in love? Not in love with people, but just, well, yeah, in love with people, not in a romantic way, but just people, ideas, things, all the rest of it. And I thought, man, so easily. I am such, in fact, maybe I'm a magpie because it's um, a, shiny things just distract me. So <laughs> rain will back this up, having been there for with me for a long time and all my crazy ideas I have and how I go off on tangents. But yeah, I think basically I'm a dog. I think I just fall in love. I like everybody and I just want to please everybody and run around after them. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that, that would be me. <laughs> We should get everybody to uh, to think about what animal they would be and, and pop over to our sensory support group and uh, and share yeah, that well, with that us. Question in there, yeah. yeah. Good, I'd love to see that. Um, so the other thing before we finish up that we wanted to say is um, offline a couple of weeks ago when we recorded the last podcast, we were talking about books and things like that. And I think we've decided that once in a while we're going to read a book and we're going to review it and talk about it. So... Um, Katie, have you read The Kiss Quotient yet? I haven't, but I really want to. Get on with it, Mrs. Because Lorraine's done it. it. And so in a few weeks, I think we should have a chat about that. Yeah. I've got really bad book hangover from it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just the best. We'll save it. Yeah. And if you haven't read it, go read it. And then by the time the book podcast comes out, you'll enjoy it more because you'll know about it yeah read along with me i'll be posting my updates in the sensory support group so uh, come and grab your copies now and we will uh read it along together with me (laughs) excellent that would be really good so yeah the other thing to say is if you have got any books that you would like us to read and chat about that are sensory related then just drop us a message or post in the sensory support group and we will get it done so i think that's it for this week isn't it yeah yeah i think so awesome well thank you very much and we will be back the two of us in a fortnight i think next week on the podcast it is oh autistic pride so we've got a load of people who are chatting about their involvement in autistic pride and making it what it is um and this is of course autistic pride month so there's lots going on on the page about that as well i'm really looking forward to that one 
Yeah, it's good. Right. Thank you, everybody. And we'll speak soon. Speak soon. Bye. Bye. Other people find our content. And we know that our content and our episodes are so helpful to our community with lots of hints and tips and interesting interviews. So go and do your kind deed of the day and leave us a five star review on iTunes to help others find us. Also, so that you never miss an episode and you get a notification when a new one is available, why not hit subscribe? And that way you'll never miss us. Finally, if you're not already a member of our fantastic Facebook support group, I suggest you go join it. We'd love to see you in there. There's loads of fantastic chat, lots of peer-to-peer support from people in the same boat as you. So go and search on Facebook for the Chewy Gem Sensory Support Group and let us know what you're thinking of our episodes. Speak to you then. Bye.